When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And the Strictly Stripes podcast. I'm Dan Lobby. I'm joined by Mary Kay Cabot, Andrew Gillis. This is our third annual coaches draft. I think it's our third annual. If it's not, eh, who's keeping track? Uh, so our third annual coaches draft. We are. It's pretty simple. It's straightforward. We're just drafting the best coaches. You know, look. I think this is interesting because we have. I want to see where Zach Taylor ends up. I want to see where Kevin Stefanski ends up. Uh, we haven't had Bengals reporters on this before, so uh, that makes it a little more interesting as well. Look, I'm just going to get right to it. I'll make my pick. I don't, I mean, I don't think this is controversial, but maybe it is because it's not. I'm not picking the greatest coach of all time. This is for this year. This is, I have a team that wants to win a Super Bowl this year. This is the coach I'm picking. And I'm going to pick Andy Reid as my number one coach now in previous years i don't remember last year's draft in previous years obviously bill belichick has gone number one i think we've had andy reed go number one before andrew what do you think am i is andy reed the pick here or should bill belichick still be number one and and you don't have to spoil your spoil your board here obviously because you're up next but is is there anyone else here besides andy or, or bill that you would consider uh, there, there is someone on the, that I would consider. Um, don't want to spoil that yet, but you know, I, I think Andy would have been my pick too. Um, you know, if if I'm picking, if I'm picking first, if I was in your shoes, um, I, yeah, I'm taking, I'm taking Andy Reid. I just think, um, you know, when you, when uh, like I understand having Patrick Mahomes is is a benefit to any coach. It makes any coach look really, really smart when you have a guy that can do that. Um, but Andy Reid objectively is really smart. He's a really, really good coach. You know, he's been a really good coach for a long time. Um, you know, there's not, you know, you can kind of make the argument with Belichick, ah, has, has he lost a step or, you know, is his talent evaluation as good as it once was or whatever. But, but with Andy Reid, uh, I don't see that yet. I, I think, you know, he, he's still innovative. He's still coming up with new and exciting things to do in that Chiefs offense because it's not just Patrick Mahomes going around and running around and throwing it 40 yards down the field and making a great throw. You know, there's a lot of innovation there, and I think that that's really important in today's game especially. So, yeah, Andy Reid would have been my pick. That's uh, To me, that's a slam dunk number one overall pick in, in terms of this uh, this coach's draft. Mary Kay, I'm confident in this pick, but I'm scared. Like, I, I'm just scared that I didn't pick Bill Belichick. Of course, <laughs> you – yeah, I mean, you're the one person here who, who has covered Bill. Um, you, you know, you had that relationship with Bill when he was in Cleveland. Like – but has Andy passed him, at least in the sense of the coach you would pick right now? Again, this isn't a greatest of all time draft. This is the coach you would pick right now. I actually would have gone with Andy Reid as my number one pick here. I'm a huge Andy Reid fan. He's an innovator. We've seen so many things uh, that he has done. When it comes time to uh, you know, getting to the Super Bowl or playing in the Super Bowl, you see him borrowing things that happened in uh, Rose Bowl in 1948. I mean, he... Uh, you know, last year he was without Tyreek Hill and he was able to adapt to that. A lot of people wondered how that would go. Um, somehow he manages to continue to scheme Travis Kelsey 
open and he still is such a superstar. He finds new things to do with Patrick. Uh, so I, I'm a huge Andy Reid fan in so many ways. So I like this pick at number one overall, and I would have done the same thing. Okay, so there we are. I guess we're all in agreement there. Andy Reid, a very popular first pick here. I'll take it. That brings us to number two. Andrew, you're up. Yeah, so I, I'm going to actually uh, maybe veer veer off course from what uh, people might be expecting here. Uh, I'm going to take Mike Tomlin second. Um, you know, I think everybody – well, first off, I think I'm just making up for not drafting any Steelers position groups in our draft, <laughs> uh, in our draft that we did on the other podcast. But with this one, like – Here's the thing with Mike Tomlin. You hate to be cliche about it. You hate to to kind of throw all of those typical, he's a winner, he's this, he's that. But all he does is win. I mean, you, you look at kind of the career that he's had in Pittsburgh, eight and eight's the worst record that he's had. And that, that was a three-year, those were three of his 16 years in the NFL. I mean, how many teams in the NFL, I know Browns fans, I mean, if you could have told them in the last 16 years, the worst record they would have had is eight and eight. I mean, how many teams, not just Browns fans, how many fans take that across the league? I mean, that's just remarkable. And he's still at the top of his game. You know, he's still kind of coaching a team that, you know, frankly, I I look at them last year and and I wasn't sold. I mean, I'm, I'm still not sold on Kenny Pickett as an NFL quarterback. I mean, I think, you know, he had more interceptions than he did touchdowns. Nothing about his game really said wow to me. I think he's going to get better in year two. But he led that team down the stretch with strong defense. And, you know, that's a team that has always stayed together. If you want a team that is going to win, or at the very least is going to, if you want a coach that is going to put you in a position to make the playoffs, it's Mike Tomlin. So I'm taking Mike Tomlin second. Mary-Kate, this is how we know that Andrew fits right in. (laughs) because every year when we do this draft, Mike Tomlin is way up on the list. I don't know if he's ever gone as high as number two, but he's always in this first group that that we pick. And he usually goes in in the first round, uh, depending how many people we have on this draft. It's hard to argue with all of those points that that he put out there. And, And I just remember, you know, it's things like in 2019 when the Browns went to Pittsburgh and it was after the Miles Garrett thing, and they were starting, you know, the Steelers were starting Duck Hodges, and it was that disastrous Freddie Kitchens year. And Mike Tomlin went into the locker room at halftime of that game, and, and the story is he basically drew up the defensive adjustments in the locker room at halftime, and the Steelers came out and just shut the Browns down. It, it's it's things like that. It's the way he relates to players. It is the fact that, like, no matter what, that team just wins. And it's just hard to argue with Mike Tomlin being that, you know, maybe is he the second best coach? I don't know. Maybe we could have that argument, but it's hard to argue with him being high up on this list. Yeah, I like this pick here. I'm a huge Mike Tomlin fan. And I think maybe part of the reason why uh, we always put him so high is because we are in the AFC North. We are familiar with him. Uh, You know, we study what he does more so than somebody outside of the AFC North might. But Andrew just brought up so many great points about why Mike Tomlin is one of the greatest coaches of all time. I love the way he relates to his players. I love the things that he says. I love the fact that he always has a winning team, uh, that he did do a really nice job with Kenny Pickett. I mean, if they, everybody is still sort of sleeping on them in the AFC North a little bit. I mean, if he can turn Kenny Pickett into 
an incredible uh, quarterback who can keep pace with Joe Burrow and Deshaun Watson and Lamar Jackson in the AFC North. Wow. I mean, that's really going to be something. And Kenny did a nice job last year. And, and a lot of that was because of Mike Tomlin and who he is and how he coaches. Love to watch him coach. Love his personality. Um, and again, there's a lot of criteria that you could apply to a draft like this. We could we could say coaches that we think will take their team to the Super Bowl. Well, we don't necessarily think that about Mike Tomlin this year, but just in terms of pure coaching ability, which it seems like we're kind of going down that road for this draft, um, I, I would take him number two any day of the week. Yeah, I mean, I look at it as like I'm, I'm drafting a coach. I have a team that I, I think is ready. I'm basically drafting a coach to take my team. It doesn't have to be the team he coaches my team to go win a Super Bowl. And I, I would take Mike Tomlin to coach my team any, any day of the week. Um, I, I think that's that there, there is, I, I maybe would still put bill uh, here at number two. I still think bill Belichick is, I still think he's got it, but I, I don't know. It's it's just hard to argue with Mike Tomlin, and I think what we're going to find out is just how good some of these AFC North coaches as we go are as we go through this list. So, Mary Kay, you are up at number three. Okay, well, I I'm going to go away probably from conventional wisdom here a little bit too, and I'm going to choose someone here at number three that I just like everything about him. I like the things that come out of his mouth. I like what I see uh, him do out on the field. I like where he took his team last year. He's a really cool guy, and he is somebody that if I were a general manager, I would be seriously thinking about hiring as a head coach, and that is Nick Sirianni. I just think he is uh, dynamite. I just think he is just a dynamite coach. We, we've we gotten to you know talk to him a little bit because the Browns practiced against the Eagles last year. Then I went and covered the Super Bowl last year. I saw some more things there that I liked. Um I think he's hilarious with his kids when they, uh, with his daughter when at the press conference, uh, you know, I mean, just funny stuff like that. He's just, you know, kind of a regular dad guy, but he, um, he just is really, really good in his philosophies. Um, and there's just so many things I like about him and to, you know, to take that team, to have that great of a defense, to, to go to the Super Bowl, you know, with Jalen Hurts and, and to play the way that they did, they're so solid. That's such a solid football team. And I think a lot of that is because of one Nick Sirianni. I, I like Nick um, a lot. I think he has a chance to really establish himself as, as one of the best coaches in the league, if he's not already. I don't think I would have taken him here, though. I think there's a few guys I would have taken. I, I mean, I know there's a few guys that I would have taken in front of him. Andrew, I had him up on my list. Um, but what do you think of Nick here? Is, is this a good spot too high? What do you think? Yeah. You know, this, this feels like one of those picks where it's, you know, I'm, I'm trying to equate it to a player as, as I think about this, like, you know, if, if you, if it hits, like if Nick Sirianni can do this kind of long-term, um, I mean, I hope people remember this podcast in five years. I don't think they would anyway, but, um, you know, like if with an NFL draft player, you know, you're, you're taking a guy who you truly believe in, who you're pounding the table for, because you're like, if, if this, if this works, he is a top three coach in the league. I think this is still a little too high. I would have went with Belichick here. Um, I think Belichick, you know, being, you know, in the top three is still fair. I mean, he's still got that defensive prowess. 
you know, he's still got all those things that kind of make him great. I understand that there are, you know, some, some questions now about kind of that, that Patriots, uh, you know, I guess empire, you could call it up there. Um, but yeah, I would have went Belichick here. I think Sirianni's a little bit too high, but, um, yeah, I mean, Sirianni was somebody at five that I was, uh, you know, he, he was kind of on my short list. So, so let me ask you guys this. If you were a GM and you were hiring a coach tomorrow to coach your team, you would, you would take Belichick over Sirianni. So that's tough because if I was hiring to coach my team for like five years, I would probably take Sirianni. I agree. If, if, if for 2023, I'm taking, I think the short, the smaller, the sample size, the more I feel strongly that I'm taking Belichick. Like if it's five years, Sirianni, absolutely no debate. Three years, Sirianni, but it's close. One year, maybe Belichick one game, not even a debate. I'm taking Bill Belichick if I have to win a game. So I think as you kind of shrink the sample sizes, I think it's Belichick over Sirianni. But with, I mean, what's interesting is there is still an argument to take Sirianni even for the one year. <laughs> like it's, yeah, sure. You know, like we're, we're saying maybe we're saying like, yeah, I still think I would take Belichick, but there is a little bit of that hedge there. And like ah, Sirianni was really good this year. I I was really impressed with the job he did with that team. Um, and, and I love his game management. I love all that stuff. Uh, I love watching him on the sidelines. I, I do think he's got it. Um, but it is, it's that sample size, you know, I think he's going to establish himself though as, as very high up on this list. So that, that brings it to me. I am really, you know what? I'm just going to do this because I want to, it's our draft. We could do whatever we want. I could take bill here. I should take bill here, but there's two other guys that I really like. And this guy is akin to the Mike Tomlin pick because for whatever reason, he just wins. And if I had an opportunity to hire him, I would hire him in a heartbeat, especially after what he did on that Sunday night in Kansas City last year with a rookie quarterback who couldn't throw the football starting in that game. I'm going to take Mike Vrabel. Mm-hmm. I love Mike Vrabel. He is one of my favorite coaches. And I think there's some Mike Tomlin in him that no matter what you give him, he's going to win eight, nine games. And then the upside there is if he's got the talent, if he's got the right quarterback, he can win a Super Bowl. Uh, game management is good. He seems to hire the right people. Um, I, I'm just, we asked this a few times last year. How many games does Mike Tomlin win with that Cleveland Browns roster last year? I think there's a chance they make the playoffs. So I, I'm taking Mike Vrabel here over Bill Belichick. There was another guy on my list as well um, that I think might go here soon. Uh, but but Vrabel's my guy, Mary Kay. I know you're a, you're a big Mike Vrabel, a ma- big Mike Vrabel guy too. If I could say it, <laughs> am I wrong though? Should I have taken Bill? No, I I don't mind not taking Bill super high. I think you know Bill has has had his day, and maybe Bill will have his day again, and he will prove that he is still everything he's always been, and he will proved to be that, you know, that he's still that mastermind and that he is absolutely amazing. But I don't think there's anything wrong with choosing coaches right now that, you know, that we like a little better for whatever reason. And 
in the same way that I picked Nick Sirianni, maybe a little too high. Maybe you put Mike Vrabel a little bit too higher, but there's so many things that you like about him that I like about him um, that I, I don't think this is wrong by any stretch of the imagination. He's uh, he's amazing. He, he has great in-game adjustments. What he doesn't necessarily have is that, you know, elite quarterback to be able to get the job done. So he's going to have to prove uh, that he can do it um, possibly without that. But if he did have that, uh, you know, I think the sky would be the limit for him. And like you said, I'm a huge Rabel fan, so I'm all for it. Andrew, I saw you make a face when I made this pick. I couldn't tell if it was like, a, oh, I wanted him pick or like, what are you doing? Like, face. <laughs> No, trust me. That's a normal reaction when people see my face. Um, no, I, uh, it was a, it was a pick of, Somewhat disappointment, somewhat excitement. It was a little bit of both because I had two guys on my list and you picked one of them. So you made things very easy for me. Um, so thank you, Dan. Um, I, yeah, if, 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 if you take if frankly, if you had taken Belichick, I was going to take um, Vrabel and vice versa. So, yeah, I mean, like you look at his record throughout the last couple of years, 18, 9 and 7, 19, 9 and 7, 20, 11 and 5 and 21, 12 and 5. I know last year they, they kind of fell off the wagon late. They were the number one seed in the AFC, and how many people in the world looked at the Titans and went, that's the best team in the AFC? I mean, you go into the Lions Den, basically, and you beat Lamar in 2019. Um, He had that team ready to go. They beat Tom Brady in New England the week before, Tom Brady and Bill Belichick in New England the week before. Like He just gets his team ready to play, and and I I like what Mary Kay said about uh, having a little bit of Mike Tomlin in him just because you have a coach who, again – he does more with less. And I look at their team and I just, every year I kind of say, I don't know the Titans. I don't think they're that real. I don't think they're that talented. I don't think they're that good. And every year, you know, pretty, I mean, even with, you know, I know they went seven and 10 last year, but they were right in it at the end of the end of the year. So yeah, I, um, yeah, I'm a big variable guy. I, I, uh, I really like that pick. This isn't the exercise, but if it was like, we're drafting coaches who have to win you one football game. Is Vrabel higher up on the list? Is he a? I would I would consider him if we're talking. You have to win one game. I would consider Vrabel. I don't know if I'd take him one, but I think he'd be up there. He's up there. Um, I, I I genuinely think it's. I think one. I, I would change my answer if, if we were doing that. I would have changed my answer from Tomlin to Bill. I would have made okay. Belichick number two if you had to win yeah. a game, but I, I still would take Reed one, but Belichick two. Um, you know, I mean, not to not to you know date everybody, but you know, I mean, going back, <laughs> it goes back to the the Bills Giants Super Bowl with the K gun offense in Buffalo. Bill stopping that basically and, and kind of coming up with a scheme for that, and he's been doing it, you know, up until you know the Super Bowl where they played the Rams and they you know they turned the. Um, or they changed the defense when the headsets went out. He just he just comes up with new stuff. So I, I, I would have taken Bill, too, there. All right, so, Andrew, you're up here now with pick number five. Yeah, uh, not much of a surprise because I kind of already spoiled it. Um, I'm taking Bill Belichick. Um, again, I, I just think that, yeah, I understand that, you know, you look at kind of the last couple of years of, you know, Patriots football, especially without Tom Brady, and you say, okay, well, how much was Tom? How much was Bill? I mean, I think – both of those, I think it's fair to say, you know, I'm. This is a boring take. I think both of those guys made each other. Um, you know, Bill Belichick is is one of the best coaches of all time. Um, you know, I, I just think that with with Belichick, I am curious going into this year. 
what happens with Bill O'Brien? Like, does Bill O'Brien kind of inject some life into that offense? And do we feel better about the Patriots than we do right now? Um, I'm curious. You know, I, I think that, you know, when you kind of looked at last year, um, you know, and, and kind of how things went, like, I, you know, I don't know if, um, you know, I, I understand the quarterback situation is maybe up in the air. They might be looking for a quarterback in 2024. But, you know, if, if Bill O'Brien can inject some kind of something into that offense, I think we might think about, I know it sounds backwards, but I think we might feel a little bit differently about Bill Belichick as a whole. So yeah, I mean, Bill Belichick at five, taking the best coach of the generation here. I'm, I'm totally cool with. Mary Kay, I feel gross that we act, that we put Bill Belichick behind four other people. It just, (laughs) it doesn't, it doesn't feel right. I, I feel like he's taken some hits because of what happened last year, obviously with Matt Patricia and Joe judge and, and really kind of what he decided to do with, with that offensive staff, like Andrew was saying, hopefully he's rectified that a little bit with with the hiring of Bill O'Brien, a, a guy that he knows. Uh, but list, listen, Bill Belichick is still Bill Belichick, and he's still, you know, we saw him come into Cleveland last year, and they just absolutely shut down that run game and made it so the Browns could not function on offense. And he he won a game here with Bailey Zappi as the starting quarterback. So <laughs> Bill's still got it for sure. He does still have it. And and you're right. We probably put him a little bit too low, but I think it's okay. I, I don't have a huge problem with the fact that we dropped him down a little bit and let some new guys take the spotlight and, and show that they are up and coming coaches and that they have uh, so many great qualities. So I think it's cool. He deserved to be in the top five for sure, uh, but I don't think he needed to necessarily be in the top four. Uh, you know, he, he can be beat and he has been beaten by some of these guys that we're talking about that went ahead of him. And, um, but you're right. He still has it. He still is a genius. And, um, I think this is a good spot for him. Okay. So Mary Kay, you are now up at number six to wrap up the second round. All right. I'm going to go with a little bit of a forgotten coach here, uh, out of sight, out of mind, uh, we haven't really thought about him for a while, uh, but I do believe he belie- he belongs in this second tier of coaches and pretty high up in the second tier of coaches. And that is Sean Payton coming back into the NFL uh, with the Denver Broncos. Let's see what he can do with Russell Wilson. Uh, you know, he's he's won 52 and 89 in his career regular season, former AP coach of the year. Super Bowl champion, only nine and eight in postseason. That's not great. But um, I, I think Sean Payton is just one of those pretty amazing coaches that you have to give him his just dues. I had a lot of trouble figuring out what to do with Sean Payton. Um, this would not have been my pick here. But Andrew, when you, I mean, Sean Payton is obviously he's won a Super Bowl was amazing in new Orleans. I think he probably got robbed of a potential super bowl uh, a few years ago on that pass interference. Uh, I think that team was good enough to go win a super bowl. I had a lot of trouble figuring out what to do with him though, having been away from the game. What, what, where did you have Sean Payton? Where would you have taken him? Um, not sixth. Um, you know, I would have had him <laughs> a little bit farther down. You know, I, the thing with the thing with Peyton that, that scared me away is I kind of ran through the list and, and, and kind of looked at, you know, okay, we're drafting coaches for 2023. I just don't know. And uncertainty scares me right now for, for this kind of draft. I, you know, as we kind of debate this, like if, if Sean Payton can turn around Russell Wilson and the Broncos, 
I mean, we do this at this time next year. I mean, where is Sean Payton? He's top three, right? Like, you know, if if Sean Payton turns that whole thing around, I just, you have to feel great about it. And it's a little bit, you know, it's a little bit loaded of a question because, again, if, you know, what if he doesn't do that? I don't know if I'm going to hold it against him. If, if Russell Wilson is is just genuinely done, if, if this is kind of the end of the line, if, um, you know, if things are not going to work out in Denver, but too much uncertainty for me there. I just, I, I, I wanted, you know, a sure thing when I was kind of picking this, I, I, you know, I, I kind of value that. I think that's an important thing to have, um, you know, kind of in this kind of style. So yeah, I, I would have taken him a little bit later just because you don't know. This year's going to be so interesting because maybe this ends up being, I don't want to say like a throwaway year, but maybe this ends up being like a year where, Hey, if Russell Wilson stinks, we're not going to hold it against Sean Payton. He's he's going to have that opportunity to come back, maybe find his quarterback now in Denver. Um, but I I really struggled with with where to put him. Um, I have two guys that I would have taken here ahead of him, and so they're both still on my list. And we're going to take a break, and I'm going to pick one of them when we come back. And we are back on the Orange and Brown Talk podcast. Our coaches draft, our third annual, uh, Andy Reid went number one. I took him. Andrew took Mike Tomlin, number two. Mary Kay took Nick Sirianni, number three. Second round was Mike Vrabel, number four. Bill Belichick, number five. Sean Payton, number six. So as we kind of wind along here, the, the goal of this exercise is to figure out where we would take Zach Taylor where we would take Kevin Stefanski, because of course this is a crossover podcast between the Orange and Brown Talk podcast and Strictly Stripes uh, with Mary Kay Cabot and Andrew Gillis. So I am up. I did have an AFC North coach that I liked here, but I'm going to go with an NFC coach and a guy that I think has to come off the board for some of the same reasons that we've talked about with Mike Tomlin and Mike Vrabel. This is a guy that it just doesn't seem to matter who he's got at quarterback, he figures it out. Now, his record's not incredible, but he's pretty generally thought of as, a, as an offensive mastermind. I am going to go with Kyle Shanahan here at number seven. Again, I've got a team. I'm looking for a coach. I want to go win. I know that it doesn't matter who my quarterback is. He's going to get it figured out for me. I'm going to take Kyle Shanahan at number seven here. Um, and I think this is an interesting area because I think there's maybe – like I said, there were two guys for sure I would have taken here, Mary Kay. I could maybe expand that out to three or four. Uh, but but do you like Kyle here? Yeah, I do like Kyle here. I thought about going with Kyle uh, at number six. And then I thought, you know what? I'm not going to overlook what Sean Payton has accomplished just because of recency bias, just because we haven't seen him in a while. If you were starting up a football team, uh, certainly a 0.631 winning percentage in a Super Bowl and an AP coach of the year are are things to kind of to look at. But I, I liked Kyle Shanahan. There were a group of about four or five coaches that I could have gone with at number six. And Kyle was certainly one of them. And I'm sure, you know, Sean McVay is in that group. There's a number of other uh, coaches that are also in that group. John Harbaugh's in that group. Um, Sean McDermott, you know, and I think Zach Taylor starts to get into this group. So, you know, it's really kind of a matter of personal preference when you get into this area. Well, for us, it's been personal preference all the way through our draft. We're going with personalities that we like. We're going with uh, some different things, you know, some some different uh, criteria that other people might not 
value as highly as we are doing. But um, but yeah, I like Kyle here. Kyle, um, I love Kyle Shanahan. He, I think he's a tremendous offensive mastermind, and this is certainly a good spot for him. Andrew, I believe he had a losing record uh, up until last year when he went 13-4 and four with the likes of Brock Purdy start, starting at quarterback. You know, he's done it with Jimmy Garoppolo. He, he's done it with, I mean, you name it. The guy has just figured it out. Uh, he's been to a Super Bowl. Last year, it would have been really interesting to see what would have happened in that NFC Championship game had they actually had a quarterback uh, beyond the second quarter there. I, I just think Kyle's a really good coach. Yeah, I mean, you know, kind of going back to our argument about, you know, who would you rather have for one game? I mean, if you had if you had to pick an offensive guy to develop, you know, an offensive game plan for one game, I mean, I, I mean, where are we taking Kyle Shanahan second, right behind Andy Reid? Like, you're taking him pretty highly. I think, you know, he's obviously very, very smart in kind of what he can develop offensively. Um, you know, I, I remember watching, you know, we were in the press box in Kansas City for the AFC Championship game, kind of watching, and I looked up, and I was like, who in the world's a quarterback right now? Because I, I, I couldn't tell, and, um, you know, I, I kind of laughed because I was like, I, this is what Kyle Shanahan wants. Kyle Shanahan wants to win a quarter, win a win an NFC Championship with, with somebody who nobody's ever heard of playing quarterback. But, yeah, he's a really, really smart guy, and, I mean, in terms of offensive minds in the league, especially where the league is kind of now and where it, you know, appears to be continuing to head. Uh, Kyle Shanahan's a good pick here. Okay. So you are up now at number eight. Yeah. You know, I'm going to go, you know, kind of like I said with, um, you know, with the Peyton argument, you know, I'm going to go with stability and just kind of knowing what you have. Uh, I'm going to take John Harbaugh. Um, you know, I, I really like Harbaugh here. You know, when you, when you look at kind of the last couple of years of what he's done, um, if I could ask you guys a question, um, this is a fun little trivia question. The Ravens Bengals playoff game that they played in the wild card round, the receiver for the Ravens. No. So not tight end or running back. Who was the leading receiver? Do you know who it was in that wild card game? I, can't. I don't. It was it DeMarcus wasn't, it Robinson. Wasn't Oh, it wow. Was, <laughs> who had two catches for 49 yards, and one of them was on a 41 yard touchdown reception where Eli Apple jumped on a, it was like an in and up, and Eli Apple jumped the in, and there was nobody within 20 yards of Robinson. And the Ravens were right there, ready to win that game. I mean, they had obviously the quarterback sneak that got stuffed. And I just, I, I think about that game as kind of an encapsulation of the last few years because how different do we feel about John Harbaugh? If Lamar doesn't get hurt in 2022, you know, because they were kind of running away with the division. It's, it's easy to it's easy to forget the Bengals were four and four and the Bengals weren't. I mean, they just gotten blown out in Cleveland. Jamar Chase was hurt. Things didn't look great. And then all of a sudden the, the Bengals turn it on. Lamar gets hurt. Where do how do we feel about the Ravens? Uh, well, I think they were like eight and three in 2021. What happens if Lamar doesn't get hurt or their team doesn't get hurt? Like, I just think we could be looking at John Harbaugh in a lot different of a light if if things had gone up just a little bit differently. And, uh, yeah, I feel great about John Harbaugh, you know, kind of a, you know, going back to what I said about Mike Tomlin and uh, Mike Vrabel, all they do is win. And you feel really good about that going into uh, going into a season. So, yeah, I, I mean, I'm I'm feeling really good about Harbaugh. I didn't think I was going to take him at eight and I did. So I'm pretty happy about it. Mary Kay, it was going to be Kyle Shanahan or John Harbaugh for me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we've obviously talked a lot about John Harbaugh on, a, on our podcast. Uh, he's a guy that we have a ton of respect for. Sort of Mike, like Mike Vrabel, he was a guy that, that sometimes I would ask, what would the Browns record have been last year if John Harbaugh was the head coach? 
it's interesting. So it's like him and Tomlin and Vrabel, although Vrabel has had a, a little more playoff success. Those guys haven't made the deep playoff runs, but their teams are just always good. And it, it seems like that's really kind of what we're valuing here early in this draft. Yeah, you certainly can't go wrong with John Harbaugh right here. We've all seen what John Harbaugh can do. Uh, we know what he's done, you know, with the Ravens, how well he's he's coached. But, I mean, the one ding for me against John Harbaugh is that everything just goes south when Lamar gets hurt. Like, that's it. It's over. You're, we're done. And it's not like that for everybody. Um, it's not always like that for Kyle Shanahan. He had to do that with um, Brock Purdy last year. Um, and so I think that's the one thing that, that makes me wonder a little bit about, okay, can you pivot? Can you salvage a season? Maybe you might have to even do it this season if Lamar goes down again, but still, this is a great spot for John Harbaugh. He could have gone sixth. He could have gone seventh. He could have gone eighth. This is the neighborhood where you take guys like that, that you kind of can't go wrong with. And, and for all the people out there yelling, Dan, they've won. Mike Tomlin and John Harbaugh have won Super Bowls. I, I, I know that, but I'm talking about recent playoffs because they haven't had the, the deep runs recently. Um, Andrew, that's an interesting point, though, because when we talk about Mike Tomlin and, it, you know, obviously he sort of had the shell of Ben Roethlisberger and then Kenny Pickett last year. Uh, when we talk about Mike Vrabel, Brian Tannehill's been good. Um, he's certainly had some years where, where he's been really good, but he's, he's more of a guy that has to be in a, the right system. But but Vrabel tends to figure it out no matter who's starting at quarterback. And that is something with Harbaugh that we haven't seen. Um, he's come close. They did almost win that playoff game in Cincinnati with Tyler Huntley, but they, they haven't had the level of, of success without Lamar. Yeah. You know, I, I'm, you know, I want to see what kind of happens and, and not to just throw it on one guy's shoulders. I want to see what happens now that Greg Roman is gone. Um, you know, I think that there was some, you know, I, I think that their passing attack is going to be more advanced, um, so to speak. I think, you know, also they've, they've got maybe – they've got the best assortment of weapons with Lamar. Um, and if, you know, say Lamar, you know, he gets a concussion and he's out for two weeks and you have to go back to Tyler Huntley. I mean, you feel better about Tyler Huntley throwing to OBJ and Rashad Bateman and Mark Andrews and Zay Flowers than Demarcus Robinson and J.K. Dobbins and Mark Andrews again. Like, you know, I just – I think that the weapons that they're going to have in Baltimore this year, you you feel better about. But, yeah, I mean, what's it's the uh, – I mean, the Tom Moore quote back in Indianapolis about, you know, why they weren't given Jim Sorge reps. If you don't know the quote, look it up because I can't say it uh, over, public, uh, over a public podcast. But, you know, for a lot of teams, if your quarterback goes down, you're in trouble. But, you know, I think, you know, Mary Kay's onto something there that – it feels like it really falls apart when Lamar goes out. So I think that's a testament to Lamar, but I think it's also a testament to what the Ravens need to do when uh, when he's not there. But yeah, I think this year I uh, I feel better about the Ravens offensively this year, you know, than I have really since any year after 2019. Um, you know, I think that um, you know I think that they're going to have a really really strong bounce back here just because of the talent that they have and the diver- uh, the diversity of talent that they have on that offense. And there's something to be said about that distraction of the Lamar contract is, is gone. It's, it's done. They got that figured out. All right, Mary Kay, you're up at nine. Okay. You guys aren't going to like my pick Uh-oh. here either. And you haven't liked any of my picks so far, which is fine with me, but um, I do have a method to my madness. Um, and this pick is 
a coach who uh, he's got a handful of Super Bowl rings, uh, as it, albeit as an assistant. He's done an amazing job as an offensive coordinator. He took over as a head coach last year and, and really did a tremendous job. Turned around his team, and I like him as a person. I know him personally. He's, I love the way he coaches. I love what he did with one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. Um, and I am talking about, can you guys guess who I'm talking about here? Dabes. 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 Brian Dayball. Love me some <laughs> Brian Dayball. If I were a GM and I were making a hire and I had to pick an amazing football coach, to come in and get my program possibly turned around to work with maybe a marginal quarterback and make him better to be that offensive mastermind and just to run a program really well. I would pick Brian Dayball. I think nine is perfectly appropriate for Brian Dayball. This is sort of the upside draft here, Barry Kay outside of Sean Payton, but you took Sirianni a a little higher than, than we probably would have taken Mm-hmm. Taking him and Dable. So I'm kind of looking like I don't really have like I kind of just threw some names together and sort of generally ranked him. I did have Dable, um, kind of high up my list. He it was getting close to where I would have considered picking him here. My only concern is this is sort of the Nick Sirianni thing, I guess, a little bit, Andrew, is the sample size, right? Like we saw him do it for one year in New York, but ultimately. He's going to have to find the guy at quarterback if it's not Daniel Jones. And he's going to have to do it consistently year over year. Uh, but what he did with Josh Allen was fantastic when, when he was the OC in Buffalo. And I, you know what he did last year was incredible. Nobody expected the Giants to do that, to make the playoffs and win a playoff game last year. Yeah, yeah, I actually, I actually really like this stable pick um, here because you know you said if Daniel Jones is not the answer in New York, I mean that if is doing a lot of heavy lifting there. I think that it's, uh, I'm, I'm not, I'm not uh, sold on on Daniel Jones being in New York long term. Um, but if you were, I mean, again, if you were to take a guy who can help a quarterback along. Brian Dable's the answer, um, you know, in, in ter- especially in terms of kind of what he's done, um, you know, what he did last year. I mean, the Giants obviously made the playoffs. Nobody saw that coming. But, you know, the Josh Allen thing, I mean, that to me can't be understated because think about where Josh Allen was in 2018. You know, it's easy to forget now because we all list Josh Allen, whether you want to list him two, three, four, five, whatever of, of quarterbacks in the NFL. Josh Allen was not good in 2018. Like he, he was, he was actively bad. And then you go from like, you know, bad to mediocre to good to war machine basically in a stretch of a couple of years. And, and I, you have to credit Brian Dable with a lot of that um, for kind of helping him along and kind of figuring out what he did well. And um, that, that matters a lot. I think some coaches, uh, obviously they kind of, you know, the system is the system and that's what it is. But I think great coaches kind of evolve to what their players do. And, and that's what Dable did in Buffalo. They figured out what Josh Allen did. They figured out what he could do and what they could kind of grow him along. And yeah, I, I, I really like Dable here. Uh, I do think it's interesting that uh, McDermott doesn't go before Dable because um, McDermott has kind of had that a little bit more longevity there than Dable. But yeah, I, I think Dable's a, a nice pick here in the top 10. 
So it's funny you bring up McDermott and, and maybe he'll go here in the next few picks, but that was another guy where I kind of, as I was putting together my list, I'm like, wait, why do I have Sean McDermott so low? I feel like he's taken some hits uh, after what happened last year and that disappointment last year. And then of course the 13 second game uh, as well against Kansas city. But I uh, th- now that you kind of bring him up, it is interesting that we're this far along and he hasn't been picked because in these past years when we've done this, he, he'd have been off the board by now. He's not going to go off the board here at number 10 either as I start our fourth round. And we still have not picked either Kevin Stefanski or Zach Taylor. And I'm not going to pick either of them here as well. I'm going to take, I don't think this is controversial. I feel pretty good about this. I'm going to take Doug Peterson has won a Super Bowl in Philadelphia. And what when he got to Jacksonville, everything changed. It was an absolute disaster under Urban Meyer. Trevor Lawrence was not as good, obviously. Nobody was good under Urban Meyer. They bring in Doug Peterson. They get to the playoffs. They win a playoff game. That's going to be one of the uh, kind of darling picks in the NFL this year. It's going to be them and the Lions that everybody's sort of on the bandwagon for as this season gets going in 2023. I just think Doug Peterson knows how to run a program. I think he knows how to call an offense, Um, you know, very analytically driven. He kind of checks all of those boxes. Uh, So I'm going to take Doug Peterson here to kick off this round. Yeah, I like this pick. I mean, you know, I could have gone I could have gone Doug at nine as well. I mean, this is that that area where these are the kind of guys uh, that that really fit. You're right. He did a phenomenal job. Last season, I I like the things that he says. I like the person that he is. I love the way he deals with his players. He gets the most out of them. Uh, you know, he he really put the Jaguars on the map last year, and 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 you know they are going to be a force to be reckoned with. I know Doug from he was a former Browns quarterback, uh, backup quarterback here for a little while, so I, I kind of know him personally a little bit, and I really like the person that he is. I, I really love the way that he relates to his players, and um, and that means something to me. And I think that's why I never, um, you know, that's why I never mind you know Bill Belichick dropping down a little bit here or there because just you know, some of the personality traits I could do without. But a guy like Doug Peterson, phenomenal guy, phenomenal coach, nice spot for him. Andrew, is this, does this feel right for Doug Peterson? Would you have gone, was was he on your list in this range where we were coming up on where you might take him? Yeah, we were coming up on it. I don't, I wouldn't have taken him at 10. You know, I think as I kind of look at it this year, I just, I wonder how much of the Jaguars in 2022 were just, you know, the, the not Urban Meyer award, you know, I wonder how much of that was, Hey, look, you, you have a great quarterback. And also you were just kind of reverting all of the wrongs that happened in, uh, in, in 2021 with Urban Meyer. So, yeah, I mean, look, I, th- I think Doug Peterson, you, you know, you kind of mentioned the, you know, the analytically driven thing, I, you know, that's a big thing with me. You know, I don't like coaches that punt on fourth and two mm-hmm. from the opponent's 45 yard line. Um, you know, I, I, I do enjoy kind of coaches that, that coach to win. I think that you have to coach to win in this league and, and Doug Peterson certainly does that. So yeah, I, I like him. He's a top half of the league coach. 10's probably a little bit too rich for my blood, but um, I, uh, I, you know, I, I, you know, he's, he's a solid coach and, and I would feel good about going into 2023 with him. I, I will admit, I think this is a little prisoner of the moment just because he had success last year. And I'm looking just at some of the names we have left on here. Uh, you know, we talked about McDermott, 
Sean McVay uh, is still out there. Um, you know, that's a guy that is, is coming off a bad year. Not really his fault. Uh, you know, if he, last year, McVay was going before uh, Doug Peterson, for sure. Um, so some of this is a little prisoner of the moment. Uh, absolutely. But I still feel good about this pick. I'm, you know what? I'm not going to question myself. This is a good pick. Nice, <laughs> nice job, Dan. That's what I'm saying. Andrew, number 11. Uh, Sean McVay. Um, I, you know, I, it, I was, I was laughing as you were, you know, kind of talking him up a little bit. Um, you know, I think, you know, we're, we're probably a little bit too clouded by, by 2022. I think 11 is, is far too low for him. Um, you know, I mean, in 2022, they went five and 12 and, you know, you kind of mentioned like, ah, not his fault. A lot of injuries team got pretty old. I mean, in the years before, um, you know, as I do quick math in my head, he was 55 and 26 as a starter, um, or not as a starter, as a coach. Um, you know, so 50, I mean, I watched him take Jared Goff to a Super Bowl. Um, obviously things kind of went off the, uh, went off the rails when he got there. And that's why I picked Bill Belichick fifth. But, um, you know, I, I think that, you know, Sean McVay, he's, he's still a great offensive mind. He's still a young and exciting coach that, I think a lot of guys want to play for, um, you know, he just kind of fits the vibe of LA really well, I think. And yeah, you know, if you can get McVay at a position like this in, in this kind of draft, you know, it, it, one of the best offensive coaches in the league, in my opinion, I feel great about that. I think, um, you know, I, I am curious, you know, we were talking about earlier, well, okay, well, what happens if you're doing this for five years down the line? Who knows? There's a lot of rumors about him, you know, maybe kind of, you know, hanging it up and, and going to work TV or whatever. I, I don't know if I feel great about him. If I were a Rams fan, just kind of being around long term. But I mean, he won you Super Bowl. So it's hard to complain about that. And, um, you know, I think he's uh, I think he's still one of the better coaches in the league for that. Yeah, Mary Kay, but Peterson and McVeigh, how, how do you kind of view that in the order they went? As you mentioned, Dan, there's a little bit of recency bias. You know, I think, you know, sometimes you just look to the things that happened last season or the season before that. And that really stands out in your mind. Um, but so I think you could have flip-flopped them. I think it could have gone either way. Uh, you know, Sean McVay, we, you know, we all view him as one of those brilliant offensive minds. It'll be interesting to see, you know, what he does moving forward, you know, when he's got sort of a, um, you know, rebuilding situation. Um, but certainly if you were starting, from scratch and you had a really good roster, he's definitely somebody uh, that you would look to, to come in and, and get your team to the Super Bowl. So I don't think you can go wrong with this pick here. All right. So we said we were going to do four rounds. This would be round four, number 12, uh, Mary Kay. Who's it going to be? You know what? I think it's time to give Zach Taylor a little bit of love. <laughs> Come on, Zach. Let's go with Zach at number 12. Again, there's, you know, there is some recency bias and he's got Joe Burrow. Um, but, you know, I mean, he he's taken the team to the Super Bowl. Um, and, you know, he hasn't he's he's got to win it. But, I, you know, I think this is a good spot for him. I mean, I think he's a good young coach that doesn't get enough credit for, for what he can accomplish. And, um and I just think that he just, once again, his record is not great. His his overall win percentage isn't great, but he's doing a nice job uh, with this football team. And uh, and I think that this is this is a good spot for him. 
Okay, so my question was going to be when we were done because I wasn't sure if Zach was was going to be taken. I actually don't know. I I don't think I would have taken him here at, at twelve. Um, I, there were like two or three other guys that I still had on my list that I would have taken over him. But my question, Andrew, is why did it take us so long to get to Zach Taylor, a guy who in the last two years, twenty two and eleven, has been to a Super Bowl, came. I mean, they were driving with a chance to win that game. Uh, against the Rams and Sean McVay, who we just picked. And certainly, you know, some other people might've even taken higher in this draft. Why did it take so long to get to Zach? Do you think? Well, I think, you know, there, there's coaches with a little bit of a track record. I mean, as I kind of look down the list, I mean, obviously you're not going to take you know, the guys that we mentioned at the top, but like, I mean, you know, you get to, you know, nine, 10, are you going to take, I, I guess, Brian Dable, you know, there's a debate there, I guess, Doug Peterson, there's a debate there. I'm still taking Sean McVay over Zach Taylor. Like I, you know, I, I think maybe you could move him up a little bit, but I, you know, like Mary Kay alluded to, I, I am curious and I do very, very much want to see what the Bengals look like when Joe Burrow could, you know, has the money to buy a private Island. Like I want to see what happens when Joe Burrow's making 60 million a year and maybe they give T Higgins an extension. Maybe they don't, but they're going to give Jamar Chase an extension either way. And that's going to be like $30 million. So what kind of offense can you scheme up when you got two guys that are commanding that kind of money? Um, I, I'm curious about that. I, I do think there is a little bit of a bias against him in terms of, and right or wrong, I'm not saying either way, um, that, you know, ah, well, of course he's getting, he's doing great. You've got Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, Joe Burrow on a rookie deal. You know, it's really easy to build out the rest of the roster when you guys aren't getting paid that much. Um I think that's partially fair, partially not. I think you have to give Zach Taylor some credit. Uh, one of the things, and, and this is a very, you know, kind of micro thing in, in the grand scheme of things, but um, one of the things that the guys in Cincinnati love is that if you ever go to a Bengals OTA minicamp, whatever, uh, you, they're just standing around. They're, they're not doing anything. There's no, there's no, you know, I see your guys' tweets and stuff. There's, there's no one-on-one drills. There's no full speed anything. Everything is slow. Everything is kind of half speed. And the players really respect that actually, because, you know, they understand that Zach will push them when it comes time. But Zach is a really, really, really smart players coach. He understands the mindset of his players. He knows, you know, hey, we got to ease off at a certain point or else these guys are going to be done come November and December. So, yeah, I, I mean, I think Zach Taylor, I think now I, I look at him and say it's, he's probably a little bit too low. If this continues, and I understand you'll still have Joe Burrow, but if this continues for a few more years, I'd feel really, really good putting him in the top five, five or six. I, I think, Mary Kay, there's a couple things that work against him. Obviously, you know, look, one of the years they were essentially tanking, so it, it's yeah. hard to hold that year against him. And then, of course, Joe got hurt his his rookie year, so the record wasn't great there. But I think there there's two things that get, they get held against him. The first is, hey, you got Joe Burrow. Of course you should win. And the second is he was kind of the ultimate, like, this guy shook hands with Sean McVay once, so he got a head coaching job. Right. Hires. I think people hold that against him a little bit too. But he's he's won the North. He's been to a Super Bowl. He has accomplished some things in this league that there might be some other coaches people would argue they would take above him haven't even come close to accomplishing. Like, right. like I mean, I, there's somebody out there. Sorry to interrupt. There, but they, there's somebody out there who would say, oh, I would take Mike McDaniel 
all day over Zach Taylor. I would take, there's people, there's Browns fans who are listening to this saying they would take Kevin Stefanski over Zach Taylor. Um, And I don't know that they're wrong necessarily, but those two coaches certainly haven't accomplished what Zach has. One weird little glitch is that he hasn't had tremendous success against the Cleveland Browns. And you have to be able to obviously, you know, win your division games. Now maybe the tide has turned for them in that regard. We'll have to see because now uh, they will be going up against Deshaun Watson for, uh, you know, for two games in, you know, every season and the roster Browns roster is really, really good. Um, But that's been one odd little uh, glitch, even that, even at times when they're rolling along and, and look really good. They've had a little bit of a difficulty getting past the Cleveland Browns and when at times when the Browns were not at their best. So uh, that's something he's got to take care of. Okay, so we also have to have the Kevin Stefanski discussion because he did not go in, in these four rounds. And I'm looking back at our 2021 coaches draft. And I, listen, this was Scott Patsko. He picked him way too high. He took Kevin fourth in 2021. Now, Kevin should not have gone fourth in 2021. That that was kind of that was that was a prisoner of the moment pick. But when he was coming off that 2020 season, had one coach of the year, he was certainly a guy that would have been taken in this draft. And I'm looking at some of the other names we took, and he certainly would have been taken um, over some of these guys in the second or third round, probably um, in that moment. Now, Mary Kay. We didn't even take him in the top 12. And I don't feel like we were wrong. So what, I guess, what do we, is it as simple as we just need to see Kevin start winning some games again? Yeah. And I think that's going to be a lot easier for him when he has Deshaun Watson. It's difficult to, uh, to have to go through what he went through last year. Uh, He had a very difficult year with Baker Mayfield in 2021 and some of his limitations and his shoulder injury uh, going from Jacoby to Deshaun last year. You know, that didn't help matters. Uh, So I think it is a little bit of sort of like, show me, let's show me what you got. Like, who are you? And the 2021 pick of Scott Pasco of him at number four, you know, maybe, maybe I did that with Brian Dayball by putting him at number nine coming off coach the year and, the year that he had and all that kind of stuff. We will see when we go back and look at this next year. Um, but I, I think that where we have Kevin Stefanski going, which would be somewhere in the next three picks, maybe not the next pick, maybe not even the next two, but I think he would go by number 15 probably. Um, so I think that's about where he belongs right now in the middle of the pack until he shows what he can do and, and gets himself back on track. Scott liked to mix it up in these drafts. I think he took Zach Taylor really high one year, too, the year after they went to the Super Bowl. Um, Andrew, you know, we, you mentioned it with with Doug Peterson. You obviously love analytics-driven coaches. Kevin is certainly that. He's a guy that loves to go for it on fourth down. Um, the Browns very analytically driven. That, that trickles down throughout the organization, including the coaching staff. Um, your view from Cincinnati of, of Kevin Stefanski as a coach. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I think it's kind of hard in my in my opinion. And I know you said that. I mean, and there are probably Browns fans that are pissed at me right now. But I mean, John Harbaugh, Mike Tomlin, Zach Taylor. I'm taking Kevin Stefanski fourth, and and I really don't think about it in the AFC North. Um, and I think that that matters. I know the I know the Bengals have not had success against the Browns. Uh, but the Bengals have also been a play away from making it to the Super Bowl for a second straight year, and they were a play away from winning the Super Bowl the year before. So, yeah, I, with Stefanski, I mean, I am I'm very curious 
what this year holds because it just it it feels like year one was such a success that I, I don't know I I mean you guys would know better than I it, it felt a little like people got a, like like out over their skis about about the whole Stefanski thing um, you know obviously you have Deshaun coming back last year and the quarterback situation was was tough but I mean this is a question for you guys and this is a whole other can of worms and I don't mean to open but like what is it what does it take for Kevin Stefanski to like lose his job at the end of this year? Because for, from my view, it feels like it would have to go off the rails, but you know, cause it still seems like Kevin Stefanski is a good coach. You know, he's, like you mentioned, he's, he's kind of forward thinking, but for this year, I, I don't see Kevin Stefanski as some huge negative, but it, it kind of feels like there's, there's a lot of opinions on that spectrum. Yeah. And there were things that concerned me last year beyond just like beyond the quarterback thing. Um, there were things that, that bothered me a little bit as far as, you know, they go to Miami off the bye and they just get, you know, their doors blown off. Uh, they play Buffalo in a game that was basically screaming for the bills to get beat. Right. It got moved to Detroit. The bills had to like, the bills had to, at the last minute, go from playing a home game, going to Detroit, Josh Allen had been dealing with an elbow issue. Like that game was set up for the Browns to win and they kind of just no showed it. Um, and, and it was the offense really in that game, not the defense, which, which is Kevin's, you know, bread and butter. So there were enough things that concerned me last year beyond like, oh, he had Jacoby Brissett playing quarterback that just make me still need to see what Kevin can do with Deshaun. Mary Kay, I think, I think if this team goes nine and eight and misses the playoffs, I don't know that, 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 that gets Kevin fired. If they go seven and 10 again, or if they have games like they had against Miami or like they had in Buffalo or not, well in Detroit against Buffalo and just some other games. I mean, I thought the new Orleans game was, was it, you got, you got to win that game. If they have more games like that, I, I think that's what, and they finish seven and 10, eight and nine, something like that. Then you do start to wonder if Kevin comes back. Yeah, Jimmy Haslam is not a patient man. They didn't go out and spend all this kind of money and put their fan base through everything that comes with uh, Deshaun Watson to not make the playoffs for the third straight season. So I do think the pressure is on. Uh, I don't know if there is some definitive, you know, bar set at a certain amount of games or making the playoffs or going this deep into the playoffs. But certainly uh, they're going to be keeping a very close eye on how this season plays out. And if a missed opportunity, if a missed chance at the playoffs has a lot to do with the play calling or how Kevin Stefanski is handling things, then certainly they will take a long, hard look at that. If they go 10 and six and they don't make the playoffs on a tiebreaker and everything look good, looks good. And Deshaun led the NFL uh, in yards and, you know, the trajectory is correct. Then, um, you know, then I suppose he would be safe. So I, I don't think, that you can go into it knowing for sure how it will be, how it will play out. But certainly Kevin Stefanski has plenty of pressure on him this year. Okay. I'm going to read a list of some names that we left off uh, aside from Kevin. Um, And uh, just real quick, kind of your thoughts on uh, if there's a name that stands out to you, Pete Carroll, uh, Sean McDermott, who we've discussed, Mike McDaniel, uh, Dan Campbell, Matt LaFleur, that's interesting. A guy that's won a lot, but obviously he's tied to Aaron Rodgers. Now he's going to have Jordan Love as quarterback. Those are really the big ones that stand out to me. But um, Andrew, Pete Carroll, Sean McDermott, Mike McDaniel, 
Uh, I, we'll throw Dan Campbell in that list as well. I, any of those guys misses? Do you take anybody off this list and, and put one of those guys on? No, I, you know, the only guy that I would consider taking off the list it, it would be Dable, but I don't even think it would be taking him off. It would be moving him down. Um, you know, the, the, I think I think we actually did a nice job to pat ourselves on the back. Um, I think we did a nice job in kind of ranking this top 12. Um, I am always, I think I, I'm, I always try to separate personal opinion from what my eyes tell me because there, I just kind of have this preconceived notion. I, I think I'm in love with the idea of Brandon Staley more than Brandon Staley. Um, you know, I, I just, I like coaches who say, you know, screw it, we're going to do this. And, and they just, we're going to, we're going to play to win the game, whether that's going for two whether that's throwing, you know, on way more downs than, than not, you know, whether that's, you know, going forward on fourth down, whatever the case may be, you know, I, I, I do like coaches like that. I don't like the, the Jim Trestle kind of ball of, of playing it safe and just kind of doing that whole thing. So I don't know, Brandon Staley, he's not in consideration for this list in the top 12. Certainly not. That's not what I'm saying, but I do think in honorable mention, I would kind of throw him in there. I, I think that I'm 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 just perpetually going to be intrigued by him until he, you know, I guess eventually, you know, maybe finally proves me wrong. Mary Kay, were there, were there any of those names I mentioned that that you think, you know, maybe we could put on this list? Whether it's moving somebody down, kicking somebody off, was was there somebody that we might? I do feel like maybe the Sean McDermott thing could be one of those prisoner of the moment things as well because I think he would have he would have been picked last he was picked last offseason um he would have been picked in the top 12 last offseason yeah sean mcdermott for sure is somebody that that you know you would need to take a look at uh up there but also you know we didn't give any love whatsoever to pete carroll and he had geno smith playing pretty damn well last year so that's one of those situations where you always wonder oh is it the quarterback uh, that makes this guy a good coach, or uh, can he excel with a different, lesser quarterback? And so, you know, Pete Carroll probably deserves uh, some love for what he's been able to accomplish throughout his career and also uh, with Geno Smith. So uh, he's somebody that I think, you know, we could have taken a little bit of a look at. Yeah, I think Pete Carroll uh, raised his status in, in a lot of people's eyes last year. Um, but Andrew, he's also one of those guys that is definitely going to punt on fourth down in field goal range. Uh, he's had some clock management issues. He's had some, some issues being a little too conservative here and there. And of course, Pete, give the ball to Marshawn Lynch and you have two Super Bowls. Uh, but anyway, yeah, Pete, Pete Carroll is the one that I think maybe got left off here. But I think this is a pretty good list. So I'll run through it here one more time. Andy Reid went number one. I took him Mike Tomlin, number two to Andrew. Nick Sirianni, number three to Mary Kay. Uh, I took Mike Vrabel, fourth. Andrew took Bill Belichick, fifth. Mary Kay took Sean Payton, sixth. Then it was Kyle Shanahan, seventh to me. Uh, Andrew took John Harbaugh, eighth. And Mary Kay took Brian Dable, ninth. And we wrapped it up with Doug Peterson, 10th. To me, Andrew, eleventh uh, to sh- took Sean McVay, and Mary Kay at twelfth took Zach Taylor. Okay, there we go. Another edition, another crossover edition. Orange and Brown Talk podcast and Strictly Stripes. Uh, check out Cleveland.com/slash/Browns. That's where you can become a football insider. This is where you can see all our Browns content. Check out Cleveland.com/slash/Bengals, which of course is where you can see all of our Bengals content. And get subscribed to both of these podcasts on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Mary Kay, I'm Dan. Thanks for listening.